Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Let's open your Bibles. I think I've got everything. All right. Open up our Bibles here. Uh, uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, I was not expecting that um, your your uh, for my daughter. Um, my, my I'll I'll just I'll say this. My wife and I were talking, and she said, "We you think the church would do anything?" I said, "I'm not going to ask the church, honey." I said that that's not. I feel that that's kind of, it's my daughter, it's, you know, it feels to me, right or wrong, I, I don't want to manipulate anything. Do you, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I don't ever want people to feel like, you know, we're manipul- I'm manipulating. And so I was like, no. I said, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask the church. Um, I did the GoFundMe thing, and, you know, that seems to be a good way to, to do that for people, and I just left it at that. So um, thank you for that. Um, she was born and raised in this church, and many of you know her and, and, and remember her. And, and so uh, what you have done will, will speak volumes uh, in her uh, desperation right now. So, and I'm on my way to go to Des Moines after today just to spend some time with her. And, and so it will be a blessing to her to know that there are people who care and have, have blessed her. And some of you have, have done it through GoFundMe, and I thank you. And some of you are doing it through here. I thank you. And my daughter thanks you um, for your expression of love to her. So um, we're talking about this kingdom thing. And, you know, we're to the part right now uh, where we're hitting some, some kingdom stuff in the Bible that it's only about that big. You know, it's only like a few verses, but there's like several of them in, uh, in this Matthew 13 thing. And so uh, I want to cover a little bit of those in, and just kind of tie it into maybe our everyday life and what that looks like, okay? And then, um, and then we'll pray. Okay, so um, uh, the parables of uh, the hidden treasure and the, and the priceless pearl. We're looking at Matthew 13 uh, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search for fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and he bought it. And so I've always looked at those things and maybe a little bit too practically and I'm like, why did the guy rebury it? You know, it's like found a buried treasure, then he reburied it. Then he sold everything. You know, I'm thinking to myself, uh, maybe, you know, a little too much <laughs> into the, to the parables. But when you look at these things and he said the, the value of the kingdom of God, it, it, it's hard to liken to the riches of this world because the riches of this world are really in no comparison to the beauty of the kingdom of God on the earth and what that means. And so, you know, we, we've, we've, we've all struggled in, at times in our life and we've all been in those places where either it was financial, either it's a son or daughter or something, and we've been in this place where we're struggling and, and is God going to break through? And at some point we've, we've experienced the presence of his kingdom and his power in that moment, you know? 
that, and that, that, that steadfast love and that confidence uh, that, of God in the midst of, of everything that we may not see everything working out. We may not see it happening the way we, it, we want it to or stuff like that, but we felt his power and we felt his presence and we felt the kingdom in the moment of, of everything around us that may be crazy. And he's saying the value of the kingdom, he's like, it's like a buried treasure that you find. And so maybe he's going to rebury it because he he wants to make sure nobody else finds it, right? And so he's going to bury it, and then he's going to sell everything he has. And then it's like this this great pearl, this priceless pearl that he's found the value of it. And that's the thing. It's like, people, you have to find the value of the kingdom, you have to find, you have to know the value that God, of what God has given to you. Because it is priceless in comparison to anything that the world has to offer. I was listening, um, oh gosh, who were we listening to? Um, wealthy people get it. Anyway, he was talking about, uh, I can't, huh? Danny Still, thank you. Um, uh, in on Wednesday nights, it was it was the idea of of honor and stuff like that. And but the the purpose of it was this: he's like wealthy people understand, you know, the value. And he's like, he's not talking. I'm not talking about rich people. <laughs> I'm not talking about people with a lot of money. There's wealth that comes to you when you have the understanding of of the value of the kingdom. You. You have riches that are untold. You may not have a million dollars in your bank account, but you have the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the power of that kingdom residing in you and money cannot compete with that. That's why he says in in Matthew chapter five, he says, listen, or six, he's like, listen, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on this earth because there's always going to be something coming after it. Moth, rust, all that kind of stuff. Listen, hackers are going to try and steal your money. So you got to make sure you got life locked. You got to make sure you, your, your bank is protecting all of this stuff. You know, you got, you got to do all this stuff because you got all this money and somebody's always going to be coming after it. And so a lot of times the, 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 the more ma- value and wealth and treasure of the world that you accumulate in your own little box is the very thing that's causing the greatest amount of anxiety and depression in your life because you know there's somebody always lurking around the back door to try and steal what I got. But nobody can take the kingdom away from you. No one can take that away from you. Because when you have that and you get this inkling of its value that resides inside of you, man, you've got everything. It just resides in heaven. And you can call it down from your heavenly Father for the needs that you have on this earth. See, God owns all the money, (laughs) God owns everything. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool, right? God owns everything. It is nothing for him to reallocate money from one place to another in the world system for you to get what you need. And the people who understand the value of that walk in the freedom of not and not bondage of the stuff of this world. Oh, it seems pleasurable. It seems exciting. It's like, man, everybody could use a million bucks. 
right? Everybody can, man, ah, oh, man, if I had the million bucks, this is what I would do, right? I would, I, what you would really do is you'd either spend it all or you'd spend the rest of your life trying to get the next million. You know? Now, don't get me wrong. If you've got a million bucks and you want to give it, I'll receive it. Because that's the type of guy I am. I'm not going to, you know, forbid you from giving your gift. But I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be in bondage to it. See, it's not money that's evil. It's, it's the love of it. That's the root of it. And when you love the money more than the value of the kingdom, you don't experience the peace that comes in the kingdom. You experience the anxiety and the depression of the world. So he says, listen, this, they find this pearl. They find this pearl, buried treasure. And then what did he do? He says, listen, they sold everything else they had because everything else they had revolved around the world system. Remember with the disciples? They left everything they had, didn't they? You know, Peter didn't bring his fishing rod. They just followed him. They left everything, and they followed him. And listen, they didn't understand everything. It's not like they had, the, they had a great revelation. Uh, there was something that touched their heart that they're like, I don't know why, I don't know how, but this is, I feel that this is true, and I'm going to follow it. And imagine understanding that you found something like that, and you're leaving your livelihood to pursue it. I mean, think about that in this culture. We don't see that a whole lot, and when we do, we get a little freaked out by it, right? But in that culture, these people are leaving. Uh, Matthew, Levi, is a tax collector. He's making bank, right? Because he's not only, you know, those jobs were bid, were bid on back in the day. He was a subcontractor for the Roman government. He was putting a tax booth, a toll booth right there, and you had to pay your tax. And, and so the Roman government would say, we're going to tax this much for the road. And he would say, and I'm going to add a little bit more of that tax on for me. So he's getting something from the Roman government. He's getting something from the people. And so, man, he's making some cash. He's probably dressed and looking really cool, right? He's got some money in his bank. But he's hated by his countrymen. And probably having to look over his back wherever he leaves his house because he's hated, right? But he's loving that money. And so, and so all of a sudden Jesus comes and says to him, hey, hey uh, follow me. Follow me. Was it about Jesus, that, that pearl of greatest price, that people would leave what they think is their, their safety nets, their fishing nets, Everything, every bit of wealth maybe that they've occurred or, or, or their livelihood of feeding children and families and all this different kind of thing, they would leave it because they found this pearl of, of greatest price. They recognize that there's some value in this. I don't maybe know how much. They may have, I don't know what it really meant. I'm, I'm telling you they didn't because he's teaching them for three years all along the way and they're getting it sometimes and they're not getting others but they're staying with him. There's times when they're walking with him that, that he's, he does the eat my flesh and drink my blood thing, right? And, and every, there's a majority of the people that were following him in that moment said, man, this is too hard for us to understand. We've reached our limit. I'm going back. I mean, I, I can follow you if you would make sense but I don't get this eat my flesh and drink my blood stuff. This is, just, this is just weird. We're going back. 
right? We're going back to what we did, and maybe, you know, maybe there's, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for the next Messiah. And so he looks at Peter, right? Says, what about you? The interesting thing about Jesus is he didn't soften his message to keep his people. He didn't soften his message to keep his people. He didn't say, oh, oh Peter, don't leave yet, Peter. I, I'm supposed to have 12. <laughs> and if you leave, then I only have 11. And gee whiz, Pete, I'd sure like it if you'd, you'd, you'd stay around and we could talk this out, right? Maybe he didn't say gee whiz. Maybe he said, oh, me, right? Oh, for my sake, Peter. I don't know. He didn't say those things, did he? He just looked at Peter and said, hey, you going to leave too? Didn't soften his message. But you can tell when people get the value of, of, of this because the, the, Peter looks at him, he's like, where am I, where where I going to go? Where, where, <laughs> who am I going to hitch my wagon to, man? In other words, what Peter is saying is like, I don't get what you're saying. I don't understand it. But I, I understand one thing, that there's some truth in you that I've never heard before and it's changing my life and I don't want to go back from that. I found something that's true and I found something that's real. And, and I know that I don't understand everything, but things are being revealed slowly to me. But I'm certainly not leaving it. And see, we can't soften the message to get people to come and stay in the doors. Well, Steve, it's hard. It's sometimes, Steve, I, I don't like what you say. Sometimes, Steve, I don't like how you say it. Sometimes, Steve, hey, I get it. Sometimes I don't like me either. But I found this thing of, of greatest price. And I'm in the process of, of leaving these other things behind. And sometimes the words that God gives us to say are the same things of the eat my flesh and drink my blood to people, right? The purity of the gospel. And they're like, man, I don't know. We're leaving, man. And I can't go chase somebody with a soft gospel to convince them to stay because they'll never be changed or transformed. All I've done is convince them to stay where they are and hope for something that will never come. And so when it comes to us evangelizing and, and taking the gospel to, taking it to the streets, sorry. Anyway, when it comes to, to taking, that, that wasn't a Christian song, so just don't, yeah. Anyway, so um, when it comes to taking it to the streets, right, when it comes to, to bringing the gospel, we have to, say, listen, we can be nice. We, we don't have to be, John the Baptist was a way to do it, <laughs> a, a type but you don't have to be a John the Baptist. You don't have to stand out in the square and start yelling people, going, who warned you to flee the coming wrath, you wicked whatever, right? It doesn't have to be like that. There, there's a time in, in some countries of the world, that's how it works still, and, that, and that's okay. In this country, it, it probably doesn't work so well like that. It used to. But it may be working into how you communicate the gospel is how you communicate the gospel. You just have to keep the purity of it. 
It's not, hey man, Jesus loves you and he just wants to be your buddy. Everybody needs a buddy, right? He just wants to be your buddy here on earth. Wouldn't that be great? There's no mention of of sin or, or repentance or, or any of that kind of stuff. See, see what you've done is that you haven't recognized the value of what you have because we don't recognize the sin of which we've come from and the devastation that, that has caused in our lives. And even, you know, even though we're saved and, and we still fail and we still, you know, sin here and there and we go back to the Father, it's still devastating to us. It's not that God has turned us back. It's not that he's not loving and it's restoring. It's just when we understand the value of who he is and then the junk of what we were. And I know I'm not that way anymore. I know that I'm, uh, a, a, I'm not a, right now I'm not just a, a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. There's a difference in how you perceive yourself. If you're a sinner saved by grace, your focus is always back on what you were. But if you're a saint who sometimes sins, what you've come to the gospel, then you recognize the value of what he's done in your life. Okay? And although I struggle here, I'm running back to him. But that sin is still devastating to you. You don't want to do it. But we're flesh and blood. We're, we're human. We, we messed up from time to time. But the goodness of Jesus is that he's the advocate between us and the Father. And so whenever there's some type of the, the enemy who's trying to judge you, who's trying to all this kinds of stuff, I, I believe that, that Jesus stands there and says, see that? See that? Let, let me lift my robe up for you. See that? Do, do, do you see this around here? See, I didn't die for what they were doing 2,000 years ago. I died for it all. I died for it all. So whatever you think you, you've done here, there's, there's no sin that can't be dealt with on the cross. None. He didn't do it halfway. He said, it is finished. It is finished. But the value of the kingdom, what? What's it worth to you? What has he been asking and saying? And listen, it would be great if you would remove this from your life. And I'm not even talking about sin. I'm not even talking about, you know, deep, dark, hidden secrets. There's some things that God is just asking you to maybe remove from your life and leave behind because it's just taking too much of your time, Facebook, or, or uh, you know, Instagram, or, or insert whatever here. These things that are, are, they're not inherently evil in and of themselves, but they can be used as a tool to take so much of your time and take so much of your, your energy and you're focusing on so, mis, so much of that stuff that you're not valuing the kingdom and what he's wanting to do in you right now. And he's asking, if I'm valuable, what am I worth to you? What will you leave? I don't know either. He's asking that today in us. Because I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about perfection. Hear me out, I'm not talking about perfection. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. We get this, right? We, we get this. But he's, he's so valuable. 
he's so worth it. Then we, when, we, when we leave some of the, the peripheral things of this world behind so that we can embrace more and more of him in our life. Maybe it's football. Maybe it's sports. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. You know and I know what it is for me and you know what it is for you and I'm saying in this time and season right now what he's saying is is do you recognize the value of who I am in your life? And have you or will you leave peripheral things behind to embrace more of me so that you can embrace the richness of the kingdom and the richness of heaven and the richness of who he is? We don't have time. We don't have time for anything else. Because in the other thing, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a large net that's thrown into the sea, and it collects every kind of fish. And you know what he's talking about here. It's there's there's an end coming, right? And he's like, uh, uh, and and it was full, and they dragged it ashore, and they sat down together, and they they took the good fish into containers, but they threw out the worthless ones. So it will be at the end of this age that the angels are going to come out and they're going to separate evil people from righteous and throw them into a blazing furnace and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and he's saying, hey listen, there's going to come a time in the kingdom where, where every all of us are going to be gathered together and there's going to be a separation between sheep and goats and sheep are going to come into the fullness of the Father and the goats are going to go someplace else that nobody wants to go that was never designed for them at all. See, God, God does not delight in, in hell. I don't think he's excited about it because he never created it for mankind. It was something for the devil and his angels because of their outright rebellion. And they saw him, right? These are angels that were, you know, you know we're in the presence and you know, we, we, we sense him. They saw it. They were there. They're in the midst of the holiness of who he is. And Lucifer still rebelled and took a third of the angels with him. And, and so, so there was a place for them that was created because of their outright rebellion of who he is. And listen, sometimes we may not see God the way we desire to see God. That actually may be a blessing. I mean, think about it. They saw everything. There was no repentance. There was no, there was nothing. There was just being cast out. And so there's a time coming in the kingdom where he describes it as a fishnet. He's put in the word, there's not actually literally going to be a big fishnet that comes from the sky to scoop you up. Just want to make that clear he's speaking in terms that they will understand they were fishermen you know like it's like when you throw that fishing net out and you bring that stuff in and all of a sudden you've got a bad fish i don't know a gar or something like that maybe maybe one of those asian things that are coming into the rivers nowadays those worthless things that that don't don't mean anything but they consume everything but they don't produce anything good he's saying we're going to collect everybody we're going to separate that out and these goats over here, 
never knew the value of the kingdom, rejected it. But these sheep over here understood the value of the kingdom and what it meant for Jesus to go to the cross and they received it. See, what is that worth to you? In your humanness, would you not sell everything you have if you could buy that? And here it is offered to you free. You can't buy it. See, the the leaving everything (laughs) behind comes after the receiving of who he is. I perceive that you are a prophet, right? Didn't even know who he was. I said, I, I perceive you're a prophet. You call me, you think this is, you know, you think this is, good because I saw you underneath a, a, a tree and said a, a man without guile man you're going to see greater things than these in the kingdom right but there was a beginning point of recognition of who he was a, a glimmer of his worth and his value that said okay I'm going to leave this to pursue that and I think we need this in the church today there's some things we're going to have to leave behind after we, we work our way through this. I, 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 I don't believe that, that COVID is, going, is a forever thing. I, I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I understand the seriousness of it. And I don't mock that by any stretch of the imagination. I certainly don't want it by any stretch of the imagination. But I certainly don't think that the, that the world, that COVID is in itself is, is the thing. I, I, I don't. I believe, I, you know, we, we went through this in, Seriously, in 1918 and through 1920 or 21, where we lost anywhere from 50 to 75 million people worldwide. And understand, there weren't nearly as many people in the world back then as there are today, right? And they, they got through it. They, there's pictures of them wearing masks and stuff like that, and they got through it. But there, there's, there's nothing really today that I can point back to and say, wow. We're still doing this because of what happened back there. Now, I know we got flu vaccines and stuff, but, but there's, there's, a, there's a time limit for this. Whether, whether there's a vaccine that works, I don't know. But COVID is not the thing. Now, it's, it's important. You, you, you do what you can do and you live by, you know, your, what you feel God is telling you to do. But it's, it's not the thing. That doesn't mean that there are not other things coming. Because see, there's, there's a whole lot of hate that has, that has been there, but it's now there, there's something that's, that's popped that pimple, right? That's popped that boil. And all of a sudden, what was underneath and somewhat hidden has now exploded on the scene, and it's poisonous and it's toxic, and it's infecting people far worse than the COVID rate. There's no vaccine for that. There's only Jesus. And so COVID, I I don't know, whatever. But the intolerance and the hate and the destruction and the devastation that is happening in our own country and in our own cities, COVID pales in comparison to that. And I I honestly believe, I I don't know, I'm not a prophet person i can speak prophetically but i you know i'm 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 not i'm not i'm not an office prophet guy but I, i'll tell you this is i i think the world did shift 
And I think we're headed into maybe some turbulent and, and hard times for us. And I think what has happened is the byproduct of, of what we're struggling with today is whether it's COVID and all this kind of stuff is that one of the byproducts is God has looked at the church. And he's coming out, he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle, right? Well, right now, she needs a lot of plastic surgery because she's got a lot of spots and she's got, she needs some nips and tucks. She's not looking good, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. But Jesus is not going to settle for plastic surgery. He's not going to settle for nips and tucks. Because all that is is trying to hide imperfections that are only going to show up again later on down the road. What he's doing is he's taking the hot iron of the Holy Spirit. And he's coming upon the church and he's shaking the tree. And the leaves that are on there that are the peripheral things, that are not the main things, but we've made the main things, he's shaking that are going to fall off. And those people who have put their faith and their trust in the systems and the peripheral things are going to shake and fall with it. But those who put their faith in the true Lord, who have put their faith in, in who he is and not just the systems of how we express our love to him, are going to stand through that type of fire. They're going to be the people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are going into the very fire. Those guys had no assurance that there would be a fourth person in that, in that fire with them. They just stood there and said, hey, listen, my God can protect me from that. And if he doesn't, we're still not caving to you. Which means that they understood that some people are going to die for their faith. Some people are going to experience the glory of God and his, his presence in the middle of that fire, but all are going to be his children and valuable and be used for whatever he asks them to do because they've recognized the value of who he is, church. And so if you're, if you're going to a fiery furnace that's seven times hotter than it should be and you're saying, he's either going to save me or he's going to take me, but blessed be the name of the Lord because I'm going to be with him. And I'm not compromising my message to escape persecution. And I'm not compromising my message to make you comfortable. I'm trying to save people with the message of the gospel from going to hell. I'm going to get there if I recognize the value of who he is and what he came to do and who he came to save. Amen? Amen. Any other else is just flesh. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.